While national and state preservation groups may grab the headlines, preservation is truly won and lost at the local level. It's the grassroots advocates and volunteers working in communities across the nation who are accomplishing the difficult work of preserving historic places. Today's guest is leading the efforts at Frederick County Landmarks, a group charged with preservation in one of Maryland's largest and most historic counties. Recently, Preservation Maryland selected the Betty Kramer House, a property owned by Frederick County Landmarks, as a 2018 Six to Fix project, and will be working with Carrie Albee and her team to find a new purpose for this incredible historic resource. Get ready to get local on this week's PreserveCast. From Preservation Maryland Studios in the historic podcast district of Baltimore, this is PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today we are joined by Carrie Albee. She's an architectural historian and historic preservation consultant with over 20 years of experience researching, evaluating, and protecting historic properties all across the United States. She's a resident of Frederick, Maryland, and recently completed a term on the city's Historic Preservation Commission. She's also the president of the board of directors of the Frederick County Landmarks Foundation. She has a master's in architectural history from the University of Virginia and a bachelor's in history from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She currently works for Gray and Pape, a heritage management consulting firm and small business now in its 30th year based in Cincinnati, Ohio, and supporting clients nationwide. Carrie, it is a pleasure to have you with us here today on PreserveCast. Such a pleasure to join you. So you are talking to us, we said before the interview, from sunny Frederick, Maryland. Yes, we're not often sunny, but sunny today. Yeah, finally sunny. The, this part of the country has been through a monsoon as of, of late. Let's talk a little bit about your path to preservation. I mean, you have a bachelor's in history, you have a master's in architectural his, history. So obviously you have the, the, the academic background for this kind of work. But when did you get started? When did you catch the bug? Where did you grow up? How did you get into this? And why did you decide to go into this line of work? So I've always been interested in history. And when I went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, they had a really good history program. And I zeroed in on that degree, probably about my second year there. And I didn't even know that architectural history uh, was a profession. I knew a little bit about historic preservation, but thought of it mostly as an advocacy thing, a nonprofit advocacy thing. But I had a professor at UNC that told me about the architectural history program at the University of Virginia. Once I learned more about that, I decided that was pretty much where I wanted to go. And I had the uh, good fortune to be accepted to that program and to complete my studies there in 1998. I would also say that one of the most inspiring moments for me in taking an interest in historic preservation was when I went to Drayton Hall in seventh grade on a school trip. It really spoke to me as it does many people um, because it was not restored. It was a a case of preservation. There was no furniture in it. It's just this incredibly stately house where you can just appreciate the building itself. And I found that that kind of passion has followed me throughout my career, that that really speaks to me. 
And so, I mean, obviously you have a passion for this and you got your academic creds. Where was the first job out in the field? The first job that I had um, was a very minimally paid internship with Preservation North Carolina, which is a fantastic organization. Absolutely. I supported supported that group in Edenton, North Carolina for the summer between my first and second year at Virginia. And um, gosh, the architecture out there is extraordinary. I accompanied uh, staff out to properties that were being considered or discussed as part of their revolving fund. And um, as you may be familiar with, we're talking about really amazing, mostly uh, rural agricultural properties, dwellings that no longer were occupied for the most part. And you just can't help but fall in love with that stuff. It's really amazing, the architecture out there. Yeah, and you got to work with Myrick, I would imagine. um, Well, I did work with Myrick, although he was in Raleigh. The office at the time in Edenton was pretty small, just two staff people. And they were working on um, the mill village there, uh, promoting the restoration of the mill village. Okay. So mostly I worked with a gentleman named Peter Rasco, who was in charge of that office at the time. And so where'd you go from Preservation, North Carolina? So when I finished my degree, everybody's scrambling for jobs. I went back to North Carolina and I worked for the North Carolina Department of Transportation, which as a graduate student, you think, oh my gosh, I'm working for the Department of Transportation. I was um, really impressed with the quality of the architectural history program there. Um, It's still a very high quality program. The, the folks there have a lot of integrity and a lot of knowledge. So it was actually a really nice place for me to start. The next place I worked was a historic Charleston Foundation in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was there for a couple of years before coming back to the Mid-Atlantic and joining the consulting world. And how'd you end up in Frederick? So I was born in Frederick, uh, and I only say it that way because when I moved away, I was about 11, and it didn't really occur to me that I might come back but my dad had an association with a company here that he had worked for for most of his career. So they came back right around 2001. And then when I came back and and saw the community and saw how beautiful it was, how many fabulous historic buildings there were, I thought, Hmm, this may be a good place to, to relocate. So that's what I did. And that's probably a good segue to, you know, because we have a lot of listeners all across the country Um, who may not be familiar with Frederick, uh, and then Frederick County. So there's Frederick City, and then there's the county. But for someone who's never visited, how would you describe, I guess, both the city and the county? um, Maybe give us a little glimmer of its history. What kind of a place is it? What would you see if you came and visited? Well, Frederick County, I think, is really interesting because as a in the western portion of the state of Maryland, um, it really is kind of an intersection point and has been historically, I should say, between the uh, Germanic immigrants coming through Pennsylvania and coming south and the English settlers coming from the east coast, Baltimore, Annapolis, and moving west. And I think that pretty much summarizes from a historical perspective what's going on in Frederick County during its earliest decades. So what I would say about Frederick County is that it still retains a lot of its uh, rural agricultural characteristics, although being close to Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, that's unfortunately changing faster than 
many of us would like. The city of Frederick was established in 1744, 45, and has a really tightly defined, really um, high integrity National Register Historic District and locally regulated historic district. The building stock is primarily late 18th century forward to to the present, um, although we don't have a lot of modern buildings in Frederick. And it's just a really well-defined, cohesive district, very walkable, I live downtown. I can park my car and not move it for days. So it's just a really beautiful, um, nice community to live in. I think that paints the picture well. And obviously, uh, sort of a a little bit of an advertisement for coming and visiting Frederick this time of the year. It's particularly beautiful, particularly when it's sunny and not not raining. Absolutely. And and I guess, you know, to, to that point about water and rain, Frederick suffered a lot of floods and, and has a, a pretty substantial flood mitigation program that has protected the community since the since the 70s and is, and is a critical part of its sort of rebirth. And, and really preservation has played a critical role. I mean, I'm editorializing here a little bit, but um, as, a, as a Frederick County resident, I guess I, I have the right to do that. Um, Preservation, and correct me if I'm wrong or you disagree, has played a critical role in the community's revitalization. No, I think that's the case. And um, a lot of folks point to the the flood of 1976. It was devastating for downtown Frederick. And after that point, the local community leaders really had had their hearts set on a uh, flood control measures in downtown Frederick, which have finally been completed some, you know, almost, well, I guess 42 years later. And that has been a real catalyst for the redevelopment of some underutilized areas in downtown Frederick. And also, we have the good fortune in Frederick to have never really had an aggressive period of demolition or urban renewal. Definitely not going to point fingers at anybody else's community between Frederick and Washington, D.C., but there are a handful of older um, communities that were aggressively reconfigured during the 50s and 60s and 70s and are now trying to recreate that sense of a historic urban core. But fortunately, Frederick comes by that naturally. Right. Yeah. And and they never rammed an interstate through the middle of it. It it actually (laughs) skirts around it. Um, Fortunately, yeah. Yeah, and I've 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 heard, and this is kind of getting off topic here, but that was because Frederick really wasn't big enough or important enough to to ram that through the middle of it, and it was Cumberland that got that in Maryland, um, where they rammed yeah. it through the middle of it, and it devastated the community to this day. So how about yes, that? Yes, well, as you know, Nick, that's a that's a common story, and in many ways, um, what ended up in the National Historic Preservation Act of 1966. Right. So let's talk about your, so we've talked about your professional work, we've talked about where you live and and the beautiful place that you live, but you're also um, the president now of the Frederick County Landmarks Foundation, which has been around for a while. Tell us a little bit in a nutshell who they are, what they do, how long they've been around, what, what should we know about Frederick County Landmarks? The Frederick County Landmarks Foundation was established in 1972 primarily around um, Schifferstadt, a 1758 stonemasonry dwelling constructed by German immigrants that coincidentally sits right next to Highway 15, the aforementioned Highway 15. 
and is one of the properties that we still own today. So the organization was really founded by community leaders, people active in the community, and particularly concerned about that property. However, over those 46 years, we have become a broader preservation advocacy organization. So we're countywide, and our mission is really to recognize and to advocate for the preservation of historic sites throughout the county. We ourselves own three properties, one in Urbana, um, one outside of Frederick, which we'll talk about, and the um, Schiffer set. But we also have uh, several other advocacy uh, missions, including our plaque program, uh, which is a program that was established way back in the 1970s at the beginning to acknowledge and recognize properties and property owners uh, who have taken good care of historic properties and maintained the, the properties in their original condition, or at least in their historically accurate condition. So that program has uh, recently gone through sort of a, a re-energizing period, and uh, the plaque committee is out identifying properties and, and awarding plaques, and it's very exciting. We also administer several grant programs one of which is the Sebastian Durr Fund, which came out of the loss of the historic property, which is a mitigation fund that is open to any applicants who receive the grant is decided by uh, Frederick County Landmarks. And most recently, that fund was used to pay for a dendrochronology study out at Beatty Kramer, um, which, we, which we'll talk about. We also have a, a fund called the Converse, uh, fund, which was created in the will of a woman who is a particularly strong preservation advocate, and it helps to make up the difference um, between uh, historically accurate materials in historic properties and perhaps the cheaper, more expedient materials such as vinyl and, and PVC and all of those um, composite materials. That is specifically limited to, to the historic district in Frederick. So you've got a, a broad sort of cross-section of different issues and advocacy items, and then you, you own buildings too. Um, and one that we've talked about, you, you sort of referenced a few times here, um, Preservation Maryland, the organization um, that I'm an employee of and that produces PreserveCast, is going to be partnering with the Landmarks Foundation on through our six to fix program is the Betty Kramer house. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, in Maryland or Frederick um, might be familiar with landmarks owning Schifferstadt and the work that goes on there and the events that you throw there and, and all that kind of thing. They may not be as familiar with, with Betty Kramer. So what's the story there? How long have you owned it? How did you get it? What's the, what's the background of it? What should people know about Betty Kramer? So the, the Betty Kramer house is on 26, uh, going out towards Walkersville from Frederick, past the Searsville Mill and Mansion that some people may be familiar with. It was constructed in two parts. It's, it's a farmhouse, constructed in two parts right around 1750, the original section, and then around 1850, an addition um, on one side. There's also a couple of extant outbuildings, including the most visible of which, which is the Spring House, which sits right adjacent to Israel Creek that was built around 
1782. So in the 1990s, as uh, was going on in many cases around the country, there was a lot of real estate speculation and development, expanding populations, particularly around the Washington, D.C. area. And a developer had acquired the property, including the historic house, and there were concerns that the house would be demolished. Frederick County Landmarks Foundation, under the leadership um, particularly of Peter Perry, who I know is also a, a supporter of Preservation Maryland, negotiated to acquire the property from the developer with some deed restrictions and with a relatively small parcel. And that was secured in around 1997. So we have owned the property now for 21 years. And during that period, interest in the property has kind of waxed and waned. But one of my highest priorities in becoming preservation, uh, becoming the president of the Frederick County Landmark Foundation Board of Directors, is to refocus the attention and energy on that property. And fortunately, um, with Preservation Maryland through the Six to Fix program, I think we're going to have an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I mean, so it's 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 sat vacant, I mean, which is is challenging for any historic structure, right? I mean, historic structures need jobs, so that's a and it's it's great to hear, you know. And I think that that's why Preservation Maryland wants to work on this is that there's this new energy around. Let's figure out what to do with this, right? We've had it for a long mm-hmm, time, and mm-hmm. it, it needs a job. Whatever that job is, it needs one. I mean, what should people know about sort of just, I mean, it's interesting to hear kind of the mechanics of how you got it. Why does it matter? I mean, is it just a farmhouse? What's the what's the story behind it? I mean, I know that's a leading question. I know it's not just a farmhouse, but um, what's unique about it? Well, this is where I have to apologize in advance, because when I start talking about buildings, I get really, really geeky and really, really excited. But um, the Betty Kramer house is, was, and we recently confirmed this through dendrochronology, Um, the structural members in the building um, were felled between 1748 and 1752. And that original building is intact on the inside of what would otherwise just look like a a fairly typical mid-19th century farmhouse, um, including some 20th century cementitious siding. So inside of that, rather inauspicious envelope is this incredible half-timbered building that was built, um, we think, by uh, Thomas Betty. And um, it includes, at least in its current configuration, when Frederick County Landmarks acquired the building, we did exploratory demolition based upon the hunch of Peter Pari and Joe Lubazinski and some other advocates for the property and removed the late 19th and 20th century uh, wallboard and, and, and later elements to reveal that original circa 1750 half-timbered construction. In addition to that, we also I also like to highlight the partition walls. The interior partition walls are a really unique method of construction that has been referred to as Dutch biscuit. It it's sounds delicious. Yeah. Yes, it's it's essentially a, a a wood member and then, you know, mud and grass packing and then another wood horizontal member and and mud and grass packing. Okay, not and quite as delicious as I expected. <laughs> no, 
not nearly as delicious as it should be, um, but a feast for the eyes nonetheless. <laughs> well um, put. No, gosh. <laughs> I know. Um, so, and then a skim coat of plaster over it. And among the many, many interesting things about this, this property, um, which will reflect the building traditions of the Hudson River Valley, um, the Beatty family had actually relocated here. From from the Hudson River Valley area, which I should point out is is that's abnormal for Frederick. We don't see anything like that. Yeah. Yes, and so the Dutch building tradition is evident in this structure, and so it makes a good companion piece to Schipperstadt, which is really roughly contemporary and is showing us the Germanic tradition meeting the the Georgian English tradition. Well, in this property we're seeing some character defining features from from the Dutch and the Hudson River Valley population. So it's really really beautiful. It's really unusual for the area. It's old and it's um, it's in, in its current condition it it provides an opportunity for people to actually observe those building techniques. So, that said, really cool, very interesting, good resource. You guys own it. Um, and I obviously part of this this answer and this this question is is part of the six to fix project. But broadly defined, what do you think Landmarks is hoping to accomplish in the year ahead with this building? Nick, I'm going to be honest with you and say that Frederick County Landmarks has taken some dings from um, outspoken members of the local community about not being more proactive um, in finding a use for and preserving or restoring the Betty Kramer House. Longtime residents in the area know the property well. Some of our um, preservation benefactors in the area know the property well. And the reality of it is, as I know you know, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of money to take care of the historic property, particularly if it doesn't have, as you say, uh, a use, a function. So, although we have preserved the building and we've, you know, we've we've owned it for 21 years and we've ensured that it's not demolished and we've ensured that you know it doesn't burn down and um, we've secured it from vandalism. We really need to decide as an organization what is going to be the history of this property. Are we going to keep it and make it another architectural museum like Schifferstadt? which of course is, is my hope, but that being said, that's among the more difficult um, potential uses for this property because, um, you know, it, it doesn't have, it doesn't really have a strong ability to make money in that context. Um, or are we going to transfer it to another steward for a different future or a different use? Right now, the organization is open um, and it's perfect time for the six to fix team and the six to six program to come in because what we do know is that this property needs needs to be preserved but we don't necessarily know all the ways that that might take place and and what that might look like five years from now or ten years from now yeah and i think what you're describing here is not unfamiliar to people all across the country lots of local preservation groups have dealt with this and and i hope 
part of this is that we can kind of talk about the process and wherever this goes and maybe do a follow-up and you know in, in, a, in another year or so um, here on PreserveCast and say what happened what was the what was the story what what did we do so that others can learn from this because it, it is it's a unique resource but it's not a unique problem um, yeah, agreed so if people want to learn more about landmarks Betty Kramer where can they find out more information about that so I'm very excited to say that one of the things that we've done this year is we've developed and designed and launched a new website. Our previous website was a cutting edge happening website in about 2002. Um, so, so we're very excited that we now have, um, we've launched our revamped website. So that would be um, fredericklandmarks.org. And those folks who are interested in emailing us or contacting us, our email address is info at fredericklandmarks.org. And there's more information on our website. We have a very talented and responsive administrator who we, um, we hired a couple of months ago. And she would be happy to field those, those calls and, and to put people in touch with um, with folks who, who can answer any questions. I would also say that the Betty Kramer house is open for tours. Now you can't just walk up to the door and knock on the door because of course nobody's there, but we appreciate having the opportunity to show people this property because you really can't tell from the exterior just how cool it is. So contact us and we'd be happy to take you out there. Beautiful. Sounds great. And final question, most difficult question what is Carrie Albee's favorite historic place or site? Well, I have to say that I am um, a big fan of Greek revival. And back in 2006, I had an opportunity to go to New Orleans and help out with the recovery efforts after Katrina and Rita down there worked with FEMA for six years. And I have to say that I know it's been said many times, but the French Quarter in New Orleans is perhaps the most extraordinary collection of historic buildings and resources that I have ever seen. Um, it is incredibly well-preserved and it's, it's unique to the United States and folks should go, they should, should see it. And um, they should patronize the businesses down there because you won't regret it. It's amazing. I think that's a fantastic answer. And I think a previous guest, Danielle Del Sol with the uh, uh, Preservation Resource Center of New Orleans would uh, heartily concur. And so if people want to learn more about that and uh, hear more about that, you can go listen back to that previous episode. So, Carrie, this has been fantastic. Um, appreciate all the good work that you're doing in Frederick and looking forward to following back up, um, you know, in a future episode to see where everything stands with Betty Kramer. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're looking forward to it and uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk today. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's show, notes, and all previous episodes, visit PreserveCast.org. You can also find us online at Facebook and Twitter at PreserveCast. This program was supported by the Historic Preservation Education Foundation. 
PreserveCast is produced by Preservation Maryland in Baltimore City. Thanks again for your support, and remember to keep preserving.